to uh, take that next step and um, sing out worthy is the name of the Lord. We serve an awesome God and we get the privilege to sing to him. your 
God, you're worthy. We come before you and we get the opportunity to sing your praise. And so, God, I just ask you that our worship would pour out, that we would sing despite whatever we're walking in with, that we would proclaim your name above anything else, God. We love you. Open the gates and let your glory come down. Open our hearts and let our worship pour out. Open the gates and let your glory come down. Open our hearts and let our worship pour out. That's right, come on.
good awesome uh well uh let's just pray together real quick and then we'll um i want to tell you a couple cool things god thank you so much for waking us up this morning Uh, we are completely dependent on you god and we thank you that you never let us down that you are faithful that you are the one that has the power we love that We, we we thank you for who you are we thank you for how you've 
loved us unconditionally, pursued us relentlessly, and brought us to this moment right here this morning. I believe you have something for every single person that's here, every single person that's going to be joining us online, God. So I ask that you would make everything else in our life really small so your voice can get really big. We love you. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you sit down, find three people, tell them hello, they're glad you're here, and to get ready. Well, so just in case you were wondering what you're getting ready for, you're getting ready for God to show up because he's here. He's always, he's always with us. And so we want to make sure that we are leaning in uh, because he does have something for, for you and you and you and even you, Pastor Gene. He's got something for all of us. Uh, this morning. So, so we're excited about that. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor of student ministries here at Crossroads. I love what I get to do. I love this church. God is doing something so amazing in it, in this community. And we're excited that you are, uh, you're joining us this morning. If this is your first time, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, and if you haven't already, go ahead and begin to pass those friendship folders. So you can just sign your name. Um, you know, use your, you can use your real name if you want to. Nicknames are cool too. We just want to know that, uh, that you're here, and, uh, and thank you for taking time out of your week uh, to do that. So, June is going to be an exciting month, and there's some things we want to make sure you mark on your calendar so that you don't miss. Starting on June 1st, we're kicking off strong. Men's breakfast. If you are a man and you like breakfast, which is, you know, common, we love you. We've created this event for you. We would love for you to show up uh, and just hang out with, with some other dudes, and we're going to eat. We're going to have a really good time. You can register online through the website. Uh, I would definitely encourage you not to miss that if you can. Uh, June 1st, start off that month strong. Also, um, it's graduation time. We have many people who are finishing up high school, finishing up college, and that's amazing. High school was the greatest six years of my life, and I'm really, it was a joke, but I'm I, I, I'm so impressed by that hard work that they have, uh, have completed, all those graduates. And so we want to celebrate that. So if you, um, if you are graduating or you know someone who is, I want you to just send your name, uh, a picture, and your future plans to crystal at crsmin.com. We want to celebrate those graduates. We know that it, is, it takes a village. So the families uh, that are involved with that too, that's, that's a big, big deal. So please do that as soon as you can. Also, June 8th and 9th, we're just moving right along. Founders Weekend. So Pastor John will be here uh, bringing the message that God has given him Saturday night and Sunday morning. Uh, so it's going to be a great weekend. Make sure that you don't miss that. I'm excited to, uh, to reconnect with him and just hear the word that God has given him to bring. Coming up after that, June 17th through the 21st is Vacation Bible School. I wish it was an echo thing I could just throw on this microphone. Vacation Bible School. So it's going to be so, so good. So power up, raise your game. Like I know from what I've heard in the past that Vacation Bible School is something that, that this church loves and God uses it to change lives every single year. And so there are still opportunities to jump in and help out. If you want to, we got a table in the lobby. Stop by there. We will let you know how you can get plugged in. But if nothing else, pray. We want God to show up. We believe that he will. There's power in prayer. So if nothing else, pray that God moves and changes the lives of every single young student that is going to be a part of that week. And at the end of, on the 21st of that week, we have our June Jamboree which is so much fun. So make sure you mark that on your calendar. Uh, You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be an absolute blast. That night, we're going to actually be uh, watching a movie uh, outside. If the weather's good, we have this 
huge blow-up screen that I'm really excited to see in action. And we're watching Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Um, it's a fun movie. I watched it. I watched it with my kids, and I would watch it again without them because it's just, it's just that much fun. Um, and my wife can attest to that. So, um, but that, that's okay. We're, we're honest. It's transparency time here. So, um, but uh, make sure you, you miss that. We would love to see you, your friends and family, anybody that you can convince to get in your car with you for the June Jamboree. I want to invite the ushers to, uh, uh, to prepare for us to receive our, our tithes and offerings this morning. And uh, just as I've been mentioning some of these things coming up, we could not do that without the, the sacrificial tithes and givings that, that this church gives week in and week out. And God really does use it beyond what we could ever imagine the gifts that we give. He multiplies it and does something miraculous with it. So, so thank you for those of you who give. And uh, just know that you're a part of something special. You're a part of changing the eternities of people all over this area and, and beyond. And so thank you for that. Now, and as, we, as, the, as the buckets go by you, if this is your first time, please feel free to just pass them on through. This is no pressure. But if you call Crossroads Ministries home, then, then feel free to, uh, uh, to go ahead and, and place your tithes and offering there at that time. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you again that you are the one that can take our, our little gift, our little, our little faith, our mustard seed, and that you can, you can grow it and multiply it and do something that is beyond our ability to comprehend, God, because we know that with you, nothing is impossible. You are the one who changes lives and we are completely dependent upon you. So God, I pray that you would take these tithes and offerings, that you would use them, that you would uh, expand your kingdom, that you would build our faith as we watch you do what only you can do. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. And as the ushers are passing the, uh, um, the containers, we want to acknowledge that uh, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Uh, and many of us have been affected personally by, by a service member who has paid the ultimate sacrifice. And even if we haven't known one personally, we walk in freedom every day from those who have done that for us, who have, who have paid for our freedom in their blood, and we are forever grateful. And so we, we want to acknowledge that. We want to say thank you. And for those of you who have felt that, that pain, that sting personally, it breaks our heart that, that you had to do that. We're thankful that you, you paid a sacrifice as well. And we're praying that, that God would cover you with grace. He would cover you with peace. And just know that we as a church love you and thank you for that. And so before Pastor Ken comes and as we continue with our series, Disciple, Be One, Make One, we just want to short, uh, play a short video just to share our hearts as a church with you guys today. weekend could we just pause and and have a moment of silence just to thank God for our country and to remember those that that gave the ultimate sacrifice all gave some but some gave all let's let's just go to God in prayer this morning and just uh, take a few moments of silence and thank God for your country
Our Father and our God, we come before you this weekend, Lord. On this Memorial Day weekend, we are honored to be in this land that we call home. You've given us this wonderful place, God, uh, the United States of America, and we thank you for it. We thank you that we get to be citizens of this land to go out and make a difference and make an impact. And God, this weekend, as we think of Memorial Day, we are reminded of those that gave all. All gave some, but some gave all, Lord. And we thank you today, Lord, for this country that was built upon the foundation of you, Lord. And we thank you that as, as we move forward, we're, we're reminded today of those soldiers that have gone out and have given their life for our country. God, we ask that you'll be with their families, many that are currently suffering today, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you'll put your hand and continue to guide this country, Lord, for uh, this is your land, and we give it to you. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, as we continue on our series, Disciple, to make a disciple and to be one, I'd like to, uh, to encourage you to think about and ask yourself, am I a disciple? Am I a follower of Jesus or am I a consumer? You know, it's real easy to become a consumer of Christianity where, where you take in and you enjoy all the benefits of it. Uh, as, we go, as we've been going through this, we've been looking at the benefits of following Jesus. Last week, we looked at the, at the great benefit of following Jesus was that he gives you faith. You can take away fear and put in faith. Uh, fear, we all have to deal with fear. We, we ha- fear comes at us at the strangest of moments. And God says that, listen, as you follow Jesus, you can see the world crumble around you, and you can have faith in a God who has got the whole plan in his hand. You can have faith in a God that is bigger than the circumstances that you're seeing around you. And so it's a huge benefit to have faith. And as you follow Christ, God develops your faith. He, he grows this faith in your life. So he takes the fear and replaces it with faith. And, uh, and this is a constant struggle, but this is one of the great benefits that we have of following Jesus. So today we're going to look at three aspects of a, of a follower of Christ uh, that, that we find over in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is talking to his disciples. As you go in Luke, the first eight chapters of Luke, you see all about the life of Christ. You're seeing who he is. You're seeing uh, he's basically revealing who Jesus is. And then in chapter 9, the question is asked, who, who am I? And Peter responds. He says that you are the Christ of God. You are the Messiah. And, uh, and so, so we see that, that God is the one who's going to put their lives back together. He, he is, he's the ultimate. He's the anointed one. But yet they're not seeing the, the, the problems that are going to come. They've seen up until this point the benefits. It's been fun to watch, him, to watch the people follow Jesus. There's big crowds, and he's performing miracles, and people are, are seeking after him. But there were three things that would change when we become a disciple. And so the first thing I'd like to look at, we're going to jump around a little bit in the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 9. We're going to jump around a little bit within chapter 9, but I want you to see, first of all, in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, that we, when we follow Jesus, we set new priorities. And that's the first thing to fill in your blanks this morning. When we follow Jesus, we set new priorities. Being a disciple means that you get to set new priorities. Jesus meets three men in this in this passage that we're going to look at this morning. They're all willing to follow him, but Jesus' response, his response to them is surprisingly blunt. Uh, he, they're kind of surprised at the way he responded to them. And I want you to catch this because what Jesus was teaching here was that when you follow Jesus, he is going to reorder your priorities. He, you get to reorder your priorities as you follow him. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, you would, you would think that that's a great, great uh, question to come to Jesus with. That's a great proclamation. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But look how Jesus responds. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds, have the air, birds of the air have their nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. 
Now, that, that's, a, that's a great thing. Lord, I will follow you. But Jesus was sensing that this man had some other things behind, underneath the surface. And what he was coming to him, and he, he was saying, he's saying, listen, I'm not the kind of Jesus, I'm not the kind of Messiah that's going to rally big crowds of uh, constituents. I'm not going to be pulling in big armies, and I'm not going to have great triumphs. I'm the kind of Messiah that is going to be condemned I'm going to die, and I'm going to, through giving my broken heart, my heart's going to be broken, my, my body's going to be broken, and I'm going to heal this world by my broken sacrifice on the cross. He's saying, the, the, the man says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. He says, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He's bringing it down, and he's bringing it to this man. He's saying, are you sure you want to follow Are you sure that you can give up? Could you give up the comfort of your lifestyle to follow me? Imagine, I'm sure this man had a a lifestyle more than than Jesus was describing. Jesus said, I don't have a place to lay my head. Uh, What he's saying is, would you be willing to give that up? Now, he didn't ask him to give it up. He said, would you be willing to give it up? He's giving this this concept that Jesus comes in first. He's giving a higher priority. He continues on, verse 59. Then Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. He continues on, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell, those who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus addresses two different men here, and, and they're both saying, I'd love, to come to, I'd love to come with you, but first, the first man says, first I have to bury my father. The other one says, first, I have to go back to my family. Uh, There's nothing wrong with having a funeral for your father or going back to see your family. Okay, Jesus wasn't saying here, don't go to your father's funeral. You know, I was always perplexed when I read that. Every time you read this passage, you'd be like, why would Jesus say, if you follow me, you can't even go to your own dad's funeral? Why would Jesus say, if you follow me, then you, uh, then you can't even say goodbye, you can't even visit, visit family? That wasn't the depth of the discussion. Where Jesus was taking them, he said, and you'll notice, he says, Lord, I will follow you, but first, let me go first and bid farewell. I, will, I want to follow you. I'm so enthroned with you. I've been so excited about your ministry, but... I have this over here, and this is where we all end up. We end up understanding that Jesus is this great God. We love him. We want to to follow him. We see his goodness. We see all the benefits of following him. But whenever it comes down, there's there's a moment whenever we say, but first, let me go do this. And Jesus says, no, no, I don't want to be second. I don't want to be second in your life. I want to be first. He resets our priorities. He says, if you, will t- you know, if you, if you plow a field, you've got to be focused on what you're doing. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So he says, this man who's coming and he, he's plowing the field, he doesn't half-heartedly plow the field. He doesn't go over here and say, oh, you know, it's kind of hot. I'll come back later on. Now, maybe in our world, that's what they do, right? But in that day, you, if you were out there working, you would keep working, and you would follow through, and you would get that, uh, plow that field. He says, and he says he's not fit for the kingdom of God. So as I've read this before, I was challenged, and I said, wow, is Jesus saying here that the man who goes out and goes to his family... Instead of to Jesus, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. I, I was very, I, I, I took it to mean that he's not qualified. So I want to I clarify this. When you, when you see something in the Bible, you, took and you look at how does the Bible teach on all areas about this, right? So we see the grace of God. He was talking not about are you qualified to get into heaven. There are none of us that are qualified to get into heaven. There are none righteous, no, not one. We have all sinned, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we are all in need of the grace of God. What he is saying here is a disciple will be useful for the kingdom of God when he puts Jesus at the top. 
when Jesus is the number one priority. It is not that you're not qualified. Everybody has an opportunity to come into the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus died. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin once and for all forever. And he offers you eternal life. It's a free gift. But he says, if you want to be useful... Now, I think that's, that's, a, that's a powerful term, isn't it? Useful. Don't you want to be useful for the kingdom of God? Don't you want to be useful for, for what God's doing here on earth, for the plan that he has for you? Um, none of us qualify. Grace qualified us. But to be useful, we are, he's saying, look, to be my disciple, you can, you can have faith. He says, but I want you to be my disciple. I want you to take the next step, and I want you to put your hand to the plow and be diligent about following me. I want you to continue to follow me when it's hard. I want you to continue to follow me when it's hot, when it's ugly, when it's uncomfortable. And what it does is you've rearranged your priorities. Now, this morning, everyone has rearranged their priorities. You are here. You've rearranged your priority. There are a lot of other things that you could be doing this morning, right? Uh, it's already on your mind. You're thinking about those burgers that you're going to be cooking all weekend long, you know? As soon as we go out the door, we're going to smell burgers from all of Finleyville. It's just a wonderful... Anyhow, move on, all right? So it's just like, you know, that's what happens. We go out, and, uh, and this is the weekend, and listen, the people that are normally here that are away, they're okay. It's, this isn't bad on anybody, but here's what I'm saying. Look, you are here this morning because you made a priority. You'll be here again next week because you make it a priority. And every time you come, this is a priority. Whenever you get into God's Word, a disciple gets with God, right? And this is hard. This, this, you know, it's easier to come next Sunday. It's harder to meet with God Monday through Friday. And so as you, you start to make new priorities, you start to realign your priorities and you're looking in your life and you're saying, okay, I'm going to learn. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to follow Jesus. He says, that's the servant. That's the one. That's the disciple that is useful. That's the disciple that is going to be transformed. And so it's about reordering our priorities. Uh, and, you know, when you start looking at this, you say, well, why would I want to reorder my priorities? I think many people are afraid of that word. I think priority is a scary word, isn't it? Because we say if, if it's priority, that means something is not a priority, right? So uh, if something's going to be a priority, you have moved Jesus up to that number one spot. So something that was in number one had to become number two or three or ten, or maybe you had to drop it. And this is what happens as a disciple of Jesus. We start following him, and, and it's like all the affections that we have of this world are so, you know, we, we, we give ourselves to so many things. Look at your schedule, right? Your schedule is full. You're overloaded. You can't take another thing on. And there's things, if you're going to have a priority, you have to give up something else. So Jesus says, I want you to be number one. I want your priority. My, I, want, I want Jesus to be number one. And why would you let him be number one? Why would he say, let the dead bury the dead? He's not saying a dead person can bury a dead person. He's saying, let those that are spiritually not with it, let them go on and put Jesus as number two or three or four. If you are spiritually in tune, put Jesus as number one. Why would he say, don't go back and visit your family? He's contrasting. Oh, no, no. Jesus comes first, your family's second. I tell people in marriage counseling all the time, uh, if you want to have a happy marriage, here's how to do it. You put God at the number one priority of your house and of your life. Then you put your wife or your husband at number two, right? Then you put your kids at number three. Then you put all these other things, four, five, and six. And you know, if we do it, if we do it any other way, if we put our kids, and this is so easy to happen, when your kids are little and you just want to like, you want, you want them to have everything, you want it to be this wonderful, wonderful life, right? And, uh, and so you put your kids at number one. God says that's out of order. And it's going to really hurt. And, and you're going you're gonna to hurt those kids. You're going to hurt yourself. You've got to put Jesus as number one. And then you come and you put that spouse in there, right there. And then you take care of those kids and you have a priority alignment. And as you follow Jesus, you realign your priorities. Now, why would I put Jesus at number one? Why would I put him at number one? 
And I, I read this illustration. It said that if, if the distance between the earth and the sun, which is 92 million miles, if the distance between the earth and the sun, which is 92 million miles, was the thickness of a piece of paper, then the diameter of the galaxy would be a stack of papers 310 miles high. So just imagine that. The distance from here to the sun, equ- equivalent, 92 million miles, the, one paper. The, the, the breadth of our galaxy would be 310 miles worth of paper stacked up. You want to talk about a big universe, right? And then our universe, our galaxy, is just a speck in the bigger universe that God made. And so when you see that and you understand that Jesus, the very Jesus that you are asked to, uh, to follow, that you are asked to realign your priorities to, um, he created all that. So, so, so take from here to the sun, right there. Take from here, 310 miles of this, all the way across our, 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 our galaxy. And then take that galaxy as one small galaxy in all of God's creation. And you say, wow, that's the power and awesomeness of our God. By his word, all things were spoken. He spoke them and they came into existence by the hand and the word of God Almighty. And this is the great, powerful God. And so you want do you want that kind of God to be your personal assistant? Or do you want to be his assistant? Ask yourself that question. And now, that's where the priorities come. So many people will come and say, Oh God, please do my will. And God wants us to come to him and say, Oh God, please transform my heart to do your will. And secondly, this morning, we find a new identity. We find a new identity. Discipleship, growing in Christ, is not a matter of bending your will. When we follow Jesus, we find a new identity. The very, your very person, your very self changes. This is why the more you follow, the more all of a sudden you wake up in the mirror and you say, that's a different person. The, the Ken that I knew five years ago would never forgive like that. The Ken that I knew 10 years ago would never would never even have a desire to do that. It's, uh, it's just this incredible transformation that God does to us when we follow him. But it comes from making him the center. So he's realigned our priorities. Look here at Luke chapter 9, verse 20. Uh, he said to them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Uh, over in the other gospels, he records that he said that you are the Messiah the anointed one, you are God. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell, tell this to no one, saying that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Up until this point, they're not catching that this is coming. Uh, they've seen all the miracles. They've seen all this excitement. And now, all of a sudden, they're seeing that here is another direction and that Jesus is going to be killed. Jesus is going to be buried. He's going, he's going to rise again. And so this, this was new revelation to them. Uh, verse 23, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself... And take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, I want you to think about this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And so you, you understand what that means to deny yourself, right? You, you ever been out at dinner and they said, you know, hey, uh, we're going to have this chocolate cake. It's death by chocolate, you know? And uh, you're like, oh, no, I couldn't. I Really, I shouldn't, right? And I'm like, yeah, bring it on, you know? Uh, but you guys are like, no, I couldn't. I shouldn't. And what do you do? You deny yourself, right? Because you know that you really shouldn't do that because it's not beneficial and you're, this, this is not who you are, right? So we understand denying. He says, if you'll deny yourself, daily take up his cross, the, the, the disciples understood what a cross was. The, the Romans crucified on a regular basis. They didn't catch that Jesus would be on a Roman cross, but they, you know, they, they caught that, 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 that he, just, he just told them here, it says that he must suffer and die, be rejected, that he would be killed, and that he'd be raised the third day. But they're not even thinking about this Roman cross. And now Jesus brings in, he says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, 
So say no to yourself and yes to me and carry your cross daily. In other words, there's going to be pain. There's going to, this is going to be hardship. Uh, it was very common for a criminal before he, was, uh, before he was crucified to carry his cross, just like Jesus ended up carrying his cross. And so he says, listen, take your cross and follow me daily. Do this daily. Follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my namesake will find it. So as you're reading this, you're thinking, you know, I remember when I was younger, they used, to, they used to come in and teach us in Sunday school, and they would say, all right, if the Russians came in right now, and they had, uh, they had machine guns, and they were taking over, uh, would you still say, and they said that, uh, you know, we're just going to get rid of everybody unless you believed in Jesus, right? And, uh, and you'd just, they'd be asking you this question, you'd be scared, and they're like, would you believe, would you say in Jesus, or would you deny it? And I'm like, I would say I believe. You know, you're scared to death, right? And so today we have other enemies. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't use that same analogy today. But I'll never forget that as a kid. And, and I always thought this was the verse that they were trying to teach us about. But this isn't what he's saying. He's not talking about your physical life here. You see, there's a word. The, the Greek word for life here is, is psyche. And, and it means the self. He's talking about your identity, who you are. He says, if you will lose yourself in Jesus, you will find yourself. But if you keep going out and you keep trying to find yourself, you're never going to find yourself. As a matter of fact, you will lose yourself. Today, we live in a world where there's all kind of ideas about self and identity and all kind of problems in our world. Uh, If you go to Eastern religions like Buddhism, they talk about that you can find self by just getting rid of all individualism. Like you just, just kind of separate that line. That we're all just one big happy, happy place here, right? And you just kind of give up all self and lose all sense that you're an individual self. The boundaries between the rest of you, uh, between you and the rest of reality, they disappear. That's, that's an Eastern thought. The Western thought, when you hear somebody say that they're trying to find themselves, what do they typically tell you? Well, they're still looking for themselves, right? I think if you go out and try to find yourself, you're never going to find yourself, right? You're only going to be beside yourself because you just keep looking, keep challenging. You know, if you go to find yourself in a job, man, you go and you say, I'm just looking for fulfillment. You know, I, I, I've given and I pour all my life into this job. And then the job is gone. Your identity is in this job, really? I mean, just imagine that. You poured 20 years of your life into a particular job and you were excellent at it. You were like, you got awards. I mean, you got trophies. You got, you got all kind of bonuses. Your bank account is full from the bonuses. And you tied your identity. And then they take this away, and they just came in one day, and they said, well, you know, we decided to go a different direction, and we're shutting down that whole division, and, and you're without a job. Your identity is gone. This is what God's saying. Jesus is saying, look, if you keep searching for yourself outside of Jesus, you're never going to find it. Uh, how about in relationships? You go into, and, you know, you could say, man, I am everything I am because of my spouse. And you pour everything into having this relationship. Uh, and, and, and then you're looking, and as long as I have this relationship, I'm okay. And then when that relationship isn't there anymore, it could be a marriage that was broken. It could be a dating relationship that was broken. It could be any relationship that's broken. And wow, you feel your identity was... I am somebody because I have this person. And when that person's no longer there, how about whenever natural life things like death come in? And if you are somebody only because of somebody else, you've missed it. You, there's pain, there's grief to all this, but you've missed it. Uh, how, about, how about if it's just to anything that this world offers? Uh, Jesus says, I want you to lose yourself in order to find yourself. And you will find yourself for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life, loses his self, for my sake will save it. In other words, you'll get a new identity. He continues on in verse 25. He says, what good is it for a man? What profit is it for a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost. What good is it if you, made, if you got yourself from, I am this, 
I have done this. I am with this person. What good is it if you have become yourself around all that and you've gained everything, you've met all your goals, everything is wonderful. What good is it if you yourself have become destroyed or lost? God was giving here, Jesus was giving us something so much deeper. There was something deeper than the things that you can see. There's a thing called eternity. And he says, I want you to pour your life into me and I'm going to transform you. I'm going to give you a whole new life. Your identity will now be around Jesus. So lose yourself in Jesus and wrap yourself in him, not in a lucrative career or an incredible family or anything. If you get the whole world, it cannot give you a stable self. This, is, this, this, this will revolutionize your life. Because when Jesus said, follow me, he says, follow me and I'm going to mold you. I'm going to melt you. I'm going to reshape you. When we follow Jesus, the third thing this morning is that we get a new, we live with a new compassion. We live with a new mercy. Uh, the, the key to setting a new priority and finding a new identity is living with new mercy. There's an interesting scenario that happened here in Luke chapter 9, and we see this new mercy. Jesus, you know, Moses had taught an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was the law. The law always said if you, if you did something, there was a punishment for it, and you caught this, and you understood that. And Jesus came, and he said, Moses taught this, but I say, and, and it was love your na- enemies, love your neighbors yourself, to love your enemies. And so it was like, wow, Jesus took it a step further. Here's a great illustration of that. Luke chapter 9, 51. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set, set his face to go towards Jerusalem. As I said earlier, the first half of the book of Luke is telling us who he is. The second half is the direction to the cross. He's making his journey to the cross. Verse 52. He sent messengers before him, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans. To prepare for him. So they're going ahead and they're, t- they're trying to tell him, that, hey, you know, talking about Jesus. And they're talking about what, who's coming. Verse 53, they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. They didn't receive him. There, there was this tension between the Samaritans and the Jews. Uh, it, it was a, t- a terrible prejudice, a terrible, terrible uh, tension between these two. And so you had the, the Jewish people and a Samaritan person would never talk to each other. They wouldn't even look at each other. There was such animosity, such hatred. And so here's Jesus. He sends his disciples on ahead of them into a Samaritan village. And so they did not receive him because they knew he was a Jew and they knew that he was going towards Jerusalem. <laughs> Verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Now, Elijah was a great prophet. As a matter of fact, if you go over and you, you read in the book of Luke chapter 9, you, you read about the Mount, of Config, Mount Configuration, sorry, Mount Transformation, Configuration. I'm getting every, all the Asians together, right? Mount Configuration. When Jesus was transfigured up and, uh, and into the, uh, on the top of the mountain, up comes Moses, up comes uh, Elijah. And so this is a really big deal. And Elijah and Moses are there. And the whole point was to prove that Moses is greater. I'm sorry, that Moses is not greater than Jesus. Elijah is not greater than Jesus. Only Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah. These were two incredible prophets. So they had, they had understood this, that Jesus was greater. And je- listen, Elijah had brought fire down from heaven. So they come and they said, these people are not responding. Shall we call fire down from heaven? And look what Jesus responds, verse 55. But he turned and he rebuked them. And he said, you did not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Uh, So here's what what happened. They're, They're saying, look... Can't we just call fire down? Your your message is so important. And so Jesus' message was different. Uh, 
He is better than Elijah. And as a matter of fact, he is un-Elijah. If this were the prophet Elijah, this was Jesus way above. And they revered Elijah and Moses way up here. And Jesus is saying, listen, I am God. And as God, I do not need fire. I do not need chariots. I do not need anything and able to accomplish what I'm going to do. As a matter of fact, he had just told them that he would have to suffer, that he would have to die. Hmm. How did Jesus handle adversity? Did he get even? No. Jesus was being arrested, and Peter cuts off a man's ear. What what does Jesus do? Picks up the ear, and he heals it. Puts it right back on and and heals the man. I mean, it's kind of like this insignificant detail, right? No, that's a pretty big detail. I mean, that's a huge detail that he picks up the ear, and he puts it back on the man and heals him in the midst of being arrested. He had all the power, and and he, 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 he lets them arrest him. Uh, he doesn't need to call fire down. If you, if you jump over to Luke chapter 12, it's very interesting. Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth. And oh, how I wish it were already kindled. Well, then why didn't he call fire down on the Samaritans? And by the way, why didn't the, the, the disciples of Jesus, they had faced people that said no, and other Jews that weren't with it. Why all of a sudden did they want to call fire down on the people that they didn't like? You ever pray that way? Lord, for that guy I don't like, just strike him with lightning, you know? You ever pray that way? You know, that's what the disciples were doing. Can we call fire down on them? But what about your, your neighbor, you know, the person who's like you that you just had a disagreement with? Well, that's not as big a deal. But those people I really don't like, just get them, right? And Jesus says, no, no. Now he comes out a few chapters later. He says, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it had already happened. In Jewish writing, often the second phrase repeats the first. I came to send fire on the earth. Oh, how I wish it were already kindled. You're getting the the depth of it. He's saying, oh, I wish it were already done. Fire. When you read fire in in the Bible, think judgment. Think judgment. He says, wait a minute. I wish it were already done. I came to bring fire down. Wait a minute. I thought you weren't going to bring fire down. I thought you were about love. Verse 50, he continues on. He says, but... I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. He'd already been baptized by water. He wasn't talking about getting water baptized again. He was talking about being immersed into the mission that God had for him. He says, oh, how distressed I am until this is done. He's saying, look, there's something big here. The fire of the judgment. Now check this out. The judgment, the fire was coming down upon Jesus. Jesus took the fire for you. He took the judgment for you. All throughout the Old Testament, you read that whenever they, had, they wanted to atone for their sins, they would go, they would get an animal sacrifice, they would sacrifice it, there would be blood, they would put it on the altar and it would be burnt up, and there, there would be this fire. Jesus came and he took the fire for you. And when we start to understand that, we begin to see the depth of who Jesus is. We begin to see that, that, hey, listen, now I live. I have had mercy displayed to me. I didn't get what I deserve. I should be separated from God forever and ever. I should be put away from him in a real place called hell, the Bible says. I should live a life that is so empty and void and, and, and just not able to find anything. And Jesus says, look, lose yourself in me and I'm going to give you a new identity. And you get to do this because you understand that you have been given mercy. God gave in his grace, sent Jesus to the cross and he paid for your sin. Luke 9, 22, he just told them, he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected. He must be killed and on the third day he would be raised to life. Wow. So here comes Jesus, and he says, without the experience of mercy, I want you to catch this. You are melted. You are amazed when you experience the mercy of God. When we understand that Jesus took the fire for us, you, he melts you into his character. You are amazed. It is no longer, oh, what do I have to do? What do I have to give up? 
It is, I am following this man who had mercy on me. He should have cast me away from him. He should have sent me to hell. He should have given me life without any joys. And yet, he says, if I give my life to him, he will give me his life. We are melted. We are amazed when we understand that Jesus took the fire for us. Now, who do you need to get even with? Who is it that you need to forgive and you can't forgive because... Well, maybe, do you understand that you've been forgiven? And when we understand that we've been forgiven, when mercies come upon us, we no longer have to call fire down on anybody because we're no longer in the seat of judgment. We're no longer judging anybody. It is God is the judge, and we are mounted. We are amazed when we understand what he has done in our life. Without the experience of mercy, you cannot change without understanding his mercy. And you've got to understand, you've got to understand who he is in this radical experience of God's mercy. You cannot change your life without experiencing that. And that's what God calls us to. And he's called you to follow. And, uh, and, and he's going to make the changes by his mercy. And all of a sudden, people are going to notice in your life that you're a different person, not because you went to church this morning, but because you're a person of mercy. Because all of a sudden, you, you don't have to pass judgment. Because you don't have to get even. Because God's going to transform you from the inside out. He, he's doing this incredible thing in your life. And, and you can't even explain it, but it comes from hanging out with him. And Jesus said, if you follow me, I want you to follow me. And the more that you follow me, the more I will make you like me. He didn't say, you know what? If you clean up your act, I'll go to the cross. He didn't say... You know what? I'll go to the cross only if you follow. He said, follow me. I'm going to the cross. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to trust him and start this relationship with Jesus. If you've not yet opened your heart to Christ, maybe today a lot of what I've shared, maybe is, uh, it's overwhelming and you're thinking, Wow. Why would I want to lose myself? Why would I want to give up my affections for things of this world and, and place them on Jesus? It's because he's so much bigger. He's so much more powerful. He, he designed you. He knows everything about you. And he, he wants you to place your trust in him and, and just start right there. So I'm asking you this morning. I, I, we've given you who he is. He says, if you will lose your life, lose yourself in me. You'll find it. Maybe this morning you've been losing yourself in other things of this world and all kind of good things even, but they're not things that will change you. Can we come this morning and experience his mercy, experience his love, experience his grace? I want to ask you this morning, if you've not trusted Christ, would you start today? Would you just call upon the name of the Lord and just pray something like this to him. Just pray, dear Jesus, I come before you and I need you. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. I've offended a holy God. But Jesus, you are the God. You came to this earth. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And you came back to life again for me. I give you my heart right now. I trust you this morning. I invite you into my life. And for others in this place, maybe you've been following God for some time, but you've been sidetracked. Maybe you got a little searching and finding yourself in the wrong places. I want to invite you today to come back to Jesus and like find yourself. You'll find him there. He, he's right there. He says, if you will lose yourself in me, serve me, love me, walk with me, spend time with me. If you'll do that, you'll find yourself. And that frustration, he'll take care of that. He's going to make a new identity, set some new priorities. And he's going to transform you and give you mercy to a world that so needs it. 
respond to him this morning. God, be with your people. I pray for every decision that has been made this morning, Lord. As we come to your word, we know that we can either walk away and be indifferent or we can respond to it. And we can, we can do what you're talking to us about. So God, I know in this room, because you are God, you're speaking to each one of us. And I pray that you'll guide us as we move on through this journey of life. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together this morning. Aren't you glad to be here? Would you greet about three people that you haven't greeted already? All right? Say hi to three people, and maybe you don't even know them. Welcome them. God bless you. You are dismissed.